Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. What are you doing? That is the topic of conversation today with a gentleman called Paul Holbrook. Paul is the founder of Diary Detox. So if you want to be more aware about the activities that you are doing to help you understand how you can improve, then keep listening. And if listening is what you're doing right now, then and, and you haven't yet subscribed or rated this podcast, then please do so. In doing that, it helps me grow the podcast further and bring more value because that's what I'd love to do and why we do it every single week. Enjoy this listen with my conversation with Paul. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have uh, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Paul Holbrook, the founder of Diary Detox. How are you, Paul? I'm very, very well. So we've been connecting on on Clubhouse, and it's nice to actually see your face. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I ran a little sweepstake with myself uh, about how quick into the conversation would you mention the c word and you've gone you've gone straight in you've dropped the c bomb right from the intro amazing <laughs> thing thing is in my world the c word is coach ah yes that's yes. the c word for me but no i could i could totally see how it's it is a dirty word so yeah. <laughs> let's try and stay away from that from now on yeah, no amazing amazing well thank you for doing this thank you for uh, for offering up some time and having this conversation with me but for those people who don't know who Paul Holbrook is. Who is he? And how has he got to sit in that seat today? <laughs> who is he? Uh, I won't say how others describe me because I've got no idea. Um, so who am I? So uh, I spent, so I'm a, I'm a dad. Um, I've got a stepdaughter and a son. I'm married, live in Tetbury in Gloucestershire. Grew up in Evesham, where they uh, the pick your own country. It's where all the apples come from. Um, I grew up there, um, went to university in London, lived there for a while, ended up living in Cambridge for a while. And then I came over here when me and my wife got married. So that's that's who I am. How have I got to sit in this seat? So um, my first, I, w- when I left university, I wanted to be a teacher, a maths teacher, believe it or not, because my degree is in mathematics, which always surprised people I go to, I, go, I went to school with. They kind of go, you? And I go, yeah, I know. Um, so I wanted to be a maths teacher, but the first job I saw was um, a programmer, a computer programmer in the city of London. And it's the only job I applied for after leaving university, and it's the one I got. And so I was kind of stuck in the city. So I spent 20 years in the city of London till about four or five years ago. Um, and I just got completely and utterly frustrated with toxic management. It, it, it just wasn't a nice environment, especially after 2008. And so I decided when I got remarried, my, my wife said to me, you're not going to be happy unless you're running it, whatever it is, or unless you're helping other people run it better, whatever it is. Why don't you, why don't I look after us? You go start a business and let's see where we get to. So that's what we did. I started the business. I, I retrained as a leadership coach. I'm not a leadership coach. Um, and then as I started to sell myself, like market myself as a leadership coach, I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. People would say, look, it sounds really, really fascinating. I'm just too busy to talk to you. I haven't got any time. And it was over and over. And I got so frustrated that I thought, well, hang on a minute. Maybe that's the problem that needs solving. And so I had a little two-step process that I used to use when I was working in the city. I, I went from running a team of 15 to a division of 350 overnight, which was a big jump. And I had this little two-step process that I would use with people when they said they were too busy. And so I decided, well, what would happen if I use that same process on these people that are now saying they're too busy? And it was quite an eye-opening experience. It showed me that A, yes, they were too busy, but B, they were busy doing things they didn't need to do and they didn't realize it. So I thought, well, if I can get them to see that they don't need to do it, surely that's going to be a heck of a realization for them. So I added three more steps onto the first two 
And that created the genesis of the five-step diary detox, D-E-T-O-X. And I've been doing that now for three years. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a bit of a Kevin Costner thing. Yeah. Build it and they will come. That isn't how it happens. Um, and so for the last, two, I suppose it's four years now, three to four years last year was a blur. Um, it's been about building a brand and showing people that it's not about time management. Um, it's something really quite different. And so, yeah, that kind of leads me to where I am now. Amazing. Well, thank you for that. So I've got a few questions off the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I loved about your intro more than, more than anything is that when I asked who you are, you started with the word dad. And a lot of times when I um, give people the opportunity to introduce themselves, they'll start with something work-related. So I think right, hmm. right from the off, that, that for me, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, we've only known each other a short while, that for me shows what you value the most and, or what you're... Is, is that, was it a conscious decision that you said the word dad first or is that how you introduce yourself all the time? What's... I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit there. So um, the, 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 the reason I went down that route... Um, is because you didn't ask me what I do. You asked me who Paul Holbrook is. And so at that point, I was about to go off into that world. I thought, no, he's asked me who I am. So the natural instinct to go to dad, yes, that was all me. And no, it wasn't conscious. I do see myself as a dad above all else. Um, It's the most most important job I've ever had. And I can't see it being any more, I can't see it being any less important than any other job I will ever have. Um, So no, that was totally me. But I think you know, the quality of answers you tend to get out of a conversation are dependent on the quality of the questions the person asking you asks. And that's the one you asked. So that's why I asked it that way. Oh, very good. Very good. No, thank you for that. So, and then when you were um, going through your journey and you identified that you had that challenge or the, the challenge that everybody, as when you became a leadership coach and everybody said, we've not got enough time to do all of that. And how quick of a journey? So that was a really short period of time in your introduction. But how long was that in reality from you going, actually, there's a genuine problem here and I've got a solution that could help them? Because everybody's uh, got ideas, haven't they? Loads of people have ideas and things that oh, they want to yeah. do. Um, so I'd just like to understand. That, yeah, no I, no, I get it. So, okay. So if we're talking about going from the point of, you know, I've, I've, I've left the city, I've retrained as a coach because you know it was toxic management that I was really not a fan of. I, I saw that managers in the city of London were destroying people's lives. And that sounds like hyperbole. It's not. That, that is what it felt like. It was horrible. I yeah. swear then. It was horrible. And, you know, especially in the last year, but it was probably for the last 10 years of me being in the city, you get on the train, you've had that godforsaken trip to, to work where you're just thinking, I really don't enjoy this. And from, from the moment you get into that office to the moment you leave, you're just thinking, how quickly can I leave this office? That's kind of how it was. Um, so um, imagine I've kind of left that, I've retrained as a coach and I've set myself up and I've started to market myself. From the moment I started to market myself and started to get that pushback yeah. to realizing that I had a solution to it. I, I didn't actually realize I had a solution to it. I just realized I had a big problem <laughs> yeah. was, was three months. Right. So, uh, so after three months of keep getting that pushback saying, no, too busy, haven't got enough time. And I think it's because of the way I think about leading that really led me to, to the solution to it. Because these were people that fundamentally sold themselves, sold themselves as leaders to the outside world. And for me, a conversation with a coach about leadership is a really powerful conversation. And it's, it's a conversation that a true leader would make time for regardless of what else is going on within, within reason. And so when these people who were apparently leaders in their own right, and they were selling themselves as leaders, were saying, I haven't got time to talk about it. I sat there and thought, but that's not what a leader would say. And so that's what really got me to think, well, what, what? So after three months of getting really frustrated, I thought, well, what is it that you're doing that is so much more important than having a conversation about improving leadership? Because that's a conversation I want to be part of. And so that's kind of what led me to then say, well, what what happened when I was in the city when I was doing that? And people said they were too busy. And And those two things that I would do were very simple. I would just 
I mean, I actually remember the moment I discovered those two steps. Um, There's a guy that reported to me. So I had 350 guys reporting to me indirectly, seven directly. And one of the direct reports came to me and said, I'm not able to do this thing because I haven't got time. And I said, well, I know your job because I gave you a job and I don't understand why you don't have any time. So I just said to him, just take a seat. And I had a whiteboard in my office and I said, just tell me in, you know, quantums of 10% and no less, what do you spend your time doing during the week? And he said, well, I spend about 10% of my time doing this, about 15% of my time doing that, about 50% of my time is that. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. what's that? What's that thing? I don't recognize that thing. And he told me what it was. And I, and I said, so why are you doing that? And he said, well, I've got to. I said, no, I get that you think you've got to, but why are you doing it? And he said, well, because so-and-so won't. And it was very clear to me at that point that he picked up something that wasn't his to do, but he was frustrated that he couldn't get somebody else to do it. So he picked it up himself. And I said, well, my job is to come in and help you either understand how you can get them to do it, um, order them to do it, which I don't like to do, et cetera. And it was fascinating because at that moment, it kind of showed me that people spend their time doing things that they don't need to do. So when I then started talking to people in this new venture, your coaching, um, people would start talking about all these things they were doing. And I just thought, no, 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 that's, that's that. I mean, I can see that needs doing, yeah. but it doesn't need doing by you. Um, and so, yeah, that, that process of that realized frustration and realization was about three months. From that moment, I then started asking that question. Well, okay, so if some people are doing things that they don't realize, I, how can I get them to see that they don't need to do it? And because of my background in change, which I know is a, a, a big um, a big uh, area for you, yeah. there was this big thing in change called the rag status, the red, amber, green status. And I thought, well, what is it that everybody does at work every day? And I sat down with with people I knew, people I'd worked with, friends, my family, and just said, of all the great leaders you've ever had, what are the things that, that singled them out as great leaders? And of all the managers that you had, what singled them out? And everybody else, what are all these things that we do at work? And I managed to get it down to seven things at work. Everything you do at work is come down to seven things. And I managed to put those things into color categories. Three of them green, two of them amber, one of them red, and one of them brown. And by giving people a way of looking at what they're doing at a moment in time, and objectively questioning what color something is using the categories, people could either see how much of a leader they were, green, how much of a manager they were, amber, how much of a doer they were, red, or how much of a floater they were, which is brown. Yeah. <laughs> you can probably guess what brown is. Um, and that's it. So creating that thing has been a massive evolutionary process over the last three years. But the bare bones of the diary detox um, were, were were sealed, I would say, within about a month. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a problem I needed to solve. And so I was just hell bent on using it. And I used it with everybody I could think of that I'd had that I thought suffered from this problem. And I tested it with them. And yeah, it was, so it's about three months to, to realize it and then one month to fix it. And then the last two and a half to three, three and a half years has been refining it basically with the book and the workshop and practitioner training, etc. Yeah, we'll talk about those things in a, in a second. And so you said that you had the two, the the uh, the two step model at the start. Then you added another three things. And mm. what? Are, so what? What is diary detox? And what are those five things? And then I, then I'll talk. Well, I want to talk and dig down into the colors a little bit more and how maybe people can take something from this yeah. and, and go and apply yeah. it now so what what is diary detox so diary detox is basically a method okay um, it's a five-step method and the idea is that when you are introduced to it um, you are introduced to it in three ways and each of those three ways uh, is delivered using the five diary detox steps d-e-t-o-x which i'll explain so First of all, you've got this thing called the initial diary detox, okay? And the initial diary detox is basically where you go through those five steps for the first time and you work through them. And the whole point of it is to generate awareness. It's generating awareness for you about what's in your diary. So that's the D. D is diary. What's in your diary physically? So activities. The value of the things that are in your diary. So the value is E for evaluate, and that is where the colors start to come in. 
You've then got the middle step, which is T, targets. So this is about giving you a fundamental awareness. We all have objectives or we all have a job description, but what very few of us have are really focused targets, things that at a point in the future, let's say three months, six months, a year in the future, these are the anything up to five or six things that I need to achieve, that I need to deliver. So you've seen what's in your diary, you've seen the value of what's in your diary, and you understand your target. So after the T targets, you've got opportunity, O. And what that does is it says, now that you know everything that's in your diary, and you know what value it gives, and you know your targets, go through each of your targets and ask yourself the question, is everything you need to deliver in that week in the past to achieve that target present? Yes or no? It's a simple yes or no answer. And you ask that question for each of your targets. Very, very quick step. Is everything you need in there to deliver that? No. Cross. Everything for that one? Yes. Tick. And you just do it. So you've got five targets. You get five crosses or five ticks. Now, once you've done that, you can see from all the crosses which of your targets you would currently be in danger of failing to deliver because it's not in your diary. Yeah. And so the last step is exchange. And I've taken some liberties with the exchange. It's X change, yeah. not EX. And the point about that is for everything, therefore, from the opportunity step that had an X next to it, put it in your diary. Because what a lot of people tend to do is we tend to use our diaries for meetings that we've arranged with other people or for meetings that other people have arranged with us. What we very rarely do is arrange meetings with ourselves to achieve what we need to achieve. And because we don't do that, a lot of the space that exists in our diary, if we're lucky enough to have some space in our diary, of course, usually ends up being red or brown. That's, that's the color it usually ends up. It's most, more often than not, it's brown, it's wasted. And so you've got the initial diary hits where you get that kind of, oh, this is the overview. Wow, I've now seen that everything's not good. How do I change that? And then you're introduced to what I call the weekly diary detox. And that is something that you do once a week on a Friday, usually Friday morning. Yeah. It takes no longer than 30 minutes. You do it on your own. And you basically go through five steps of the detox process that will get you to reflect on your past week and plan out your future week. You do that every week. And then the last way in which you can be you can use it is that, of course, by going through the weekly detox, you'll plan out your week in advance. But of course, we're in change. So we know that not all plans go the way we expect them to. You have interruptions, you have crises, you have all kinds of things. But what happens is a lot of people, when they create a plan, when somebody comes and taps them on the shoulder and says, ah, I need you, have you got a sec? A lot of people don't have the ability to say no they're actually very tempted to go, yeah, 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 I'll come and help you. If you've got space in your diary at that point, then you're definitely going to go and do whatever they want because I'm not interrupting anything while you are, but you just haven't put it in your diary. Yeah. So what the third way of using it is, is the spot, de de spot diary detox. And that is when somebody interrupts you, it's a way of applying those five steps in less than 20 seconds that will help you interrupt your natural tendency to be interrupted and to decide whether or not you want to be interrupted, whether it's the right thing. So diary detox, it's interesting because some people think that diary detox is something that tells you what to do. It doesn't. All it does is it shows you what you are doing. Yeah. It gives you all the information you need to decide for yourself how you should best use your time. It's not there to tell you how to use your time. So yeah, that's what it is. So I, re I really like that. My, my favourite Socrates, um, in fact, my favourite quote, um, I don't have a favourite Socrates quote. Well, I do because it's my favourite quote, but I can't know, I don't know any other of his quotes. Um, I've used a lot of words to just to, as my lead up to this ne my next point, if I'm if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, crack on, Lee. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> so um, Socrates said, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. And, and what I think that you oh, are doing... That with your diary detox is you are not teaching anybody anything. You're just making them think more about what they are doing. Um, you can have that. I mean, it's Socrates. I can't take credit for it. Um, Actually, I'm going to get to see this podcast so I can write it down then rather than do it now. I think that's a great quote. And that, that's it. It's, it is just about making people think. It's just, it's an interruption. It's just going, are you sure you want to do that? And it's an absolutely fascinating thing to watch. You know, I mean, when I go through the initial diary detox, 
um, I was about to say something that I can't say because it's confidential. Um, when I went through the initial diary detox with somebody once, all they did was go through the D step of the initial diary detox. So that's the, this is at the beginning of the beginning of the diary detox method. And all it is, is about understanding what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Not value or anything, just what are you doing? Hence the name of the book. And just through going through that process, this person sat there and went, I didn't realize that I was spending so much time traveling. And what they also realized, and this is another little kind of gem for people out there who are, who are watching this, is it's one thing to include a meeting in your diary. Somebody says, I want you to come to a meeting. But what's interesting is that I encourage people, and this is what the D-step does, is it encourages you to include the full cost of going to a meeting. So you might have to prepare for a meeting. That could take you an hour or so. You might want to do follow-up out of a meeting. You know, when, when he, you know, we spoke the other day, um, I think earlier today, about it's one thing listening to all this stuff, but when do you do it? Yeah. Having follow-up time for it, travel time to and from that meeting, if we are lucky enough to be traveling to it, et cetera. What was fascinating for that person is that for the first time, just by doing the D step of the initial, they looked at it and went, I now I understand why I'm always late to these meetings. I don't plan in enough time to travel to them. And he got that just from the first step of the first pit. So I think just raising awareness, and I, I love that quote. I actually got goosebumps when you said that, hence why I jumped for the pencil. So I can't teach people anything. I can only teach them to think. Is that right? I, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. Make, because, make them think. I love yeah, that. Make them think because, and that's, so I, I'm a big advocate of your thoughts drive your behavior. And so a, a culture is defined as what people do when nobody's watching. Um, which is all behaviours and, and stuff like that. So I'm a big advocate of um, your thoughts drive your behaviour. So if you want to change your culture, if you want to influence anybody, then you just got to make them think differently. So that all of the different things to make them think, it's up to them. My nan used to tell me. Um, so she'd be she'd be sat in the living room. I used to go around every single Friday, take chippy tea for her, and then my mum would, would walk in, or, or my auntie would come in, or my cousin would come in, and they'd just start having a go at it. Why is she not taking them tablets? It's five minutes past the hour, or why have you not washed that up and, and stuff? And then she'd she'd sit in the living room with me, and we're both there just eat, eating our chips and just having a laugh. And, and she'd go, in one ear, out the other. And I was like... <laughs> And and that, that's what she did. She because because she actively chose to just ignore it. So and, and that's what yeah. I think we're doing with all of the information that we're given. We we have a choice of whether we allow it allow ourselves to think about it and maybe influence our decision and choices, or we just like me nan when my mum was having a go at her. Sorry, mum, if you're listening, um, that goes in one ear and goes out the other because it's a conscious decision and choice. And that's what I, I want to talk to you about next. Actually, about this yeah. diary detox plan method is it for everybody and the reason why i say that right i've got a business partner who is meticulous in planning and structure and focused and i interviewed on the podcast a guy called nigel risner who has got this um who's got this book uh, called um about zookeepers zoo and he's a chief zookeeper and you've got to feed the right animal the right food and we, he's got this um this study and, and you, you come out of it and you're a particular animal you're either a dolphin a lion, a monkey, or an elephant. And an elephant is somebody that plans and is meticulous and, and stuff like that. Um, and I'm a monkey, so I plan nothing. I just uh, like, and I, I just go through the day and just hope that I get to the end of it in, in one piece. So when I, is the diary detox for everybody? Do you have challenges with some people? Because I can completely see the value of it, completely see the value of it. But I'm sat here going, but honestly, Lee, would you go through those steps knowing who I am as a, a character and a person? So what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? How would you get somebody like me to do it versus somebody like Jason, my business partner, who would just absolutely lap it up? Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were going to get a little bit more time to drink your tea then, yeah, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. Um, so is it for everybody... Uh, could it be for everybody? Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, I mean, it, th th there's nothing that there's nothing that excludes anyone from it. Is it for everyone? No, no. It, it, it I mean, you know, I'll illustrate it through a story. Um, so, when I first started with Diary Detox, um, I I decided that I was going to try and take it back in. Well, it wasn't when I first started. It was it was in the early stages. 
I decided I was going to try and take it back into the city. Because even though I came out of the city thinking I am never going anywhere near that place again, I started doing some work because the business wasn't called Diary Detox to start with, it's called Tripodicus. But that's another story. And um, I worked with a brand storyteller. And what was really great about her process is that she got me to really question what the story was in the world that I was looking to change. And I realized that even though I didn't want to go back anywhere near the city, I realized that was exactly the place that needed this because that's the place I'd experienced. It's the place I had experience of and they needed it desperately. And so one of the things that I did is I went back to my old network and there was a chap that I used to work with and I offered him something I call a, a, a discovery, a diary detox discovery. And it's changed now. It, it, it's still a discovery, but it's much better now. But in the early days, it was where I would literally sit down with somebody. I would very briefly, in, in about 45 minutes, uh, we would go through a couple of days in their diary. I wouldn't teach them the method, but I would ask them what certain meetings were in their diary. And I would color code them. And I would basically show them a picture and say, so this is what your diary looks like right now in terms of the colors within Diary Detox. But at the same time, what I do is I then say, well, based on what I know of your role, the amount of green, amber and red you should have is different. Yeah. So someone who's very senior should have a lot of green and very little red. Someone who's very junior should have a lot of red and very and probably very little green. <clears throat> so this diary detox was about saying this is what you currently have over these two days and this is what you should have. And there's a difference between them. That was the whole point of it. And you're hoping then that somebody would go, well, that's not good. How can I change that? Well, what we could do is you could do the full diary detox. So what was really interesting for me is that this particular person, so um, the reason we got onto the conversation was that they'd said that they had a town hall coming up and they were the head of change, okay, for quite a big division within a large organization. And I said, oh, wow, so what's the theme of your town hall going to be? And he went, no idea. And I went, okay, <laughs> next week, right? Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting to me because, well, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was interesting that he was in that position, but it wasn't fascinating to me because I knew his working style. I'd worked with him for many years in the past. And I knew that his style was more amber. He was more of a manager than a leader. And so I thought, I wonder what it would tell him about himself if I did this discovery on him. And so based on his target, he should have been 80% green. So four days a week should be spent on green stuff. One day a week on amber stuff. And we'll get onto what those mean. No red, no brown. When we went through it, those two days, I think he was 20% green versus 80%. 50% amber, which is what I knew was going to come out because I've worked yeah. with him for years. About 15% um, uh, red. And if those numbers add up, 15% red and 15% brown. Okay, and the brown stuff were, were, were meetings with his boss. <laughs> what was really interesting for him is that he saw it and he pushed it away. He went, no, don't believe it. I went, what, you don't believe those are the colours that you are or what? He said, no, they're your colours. I mean, I believe that they are what they are. What he didn't believe was that the, the target colour, the 80%, 20%, he said, I don't believe that is what somebody in my position should be doing. And I thought, well, this is really fascinating because he's now pushing away the very reason he's struggling to come up with this, you know, this leadership visionary position for his town hall, because he's not doing any leadership visionary work. Yeah. But his next breath was, I don't think I should be doing that stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, you read what you say. What can I say? Um, and what's interesting is if anybody ever wants to look at that, there's actually a disrupt HR five minute talk I did really punchy. Um, uh, uh, in the featured section of my LinkedIn, and I tell that story in there. So it might, might be quite interesting for people. So long story, I know I tend to do go a little bit long on the stories, but the answer is no, it's not for everybody. It's only for people who are not happy with where they are in terms of their achievement of goals, their productivity, and um, the... the uh, the results they're getting from the role that they are acting in their work role. Yeah. That's who it's really for. And if, and if you're not unhappy with that, don't change anything, you know, yeah. life's too short to be changing things that you don't need to change. Yeah. But when you are ready to change, I'll be here. No, perfect. Perfect. No, thank you for that. And no why did you write a book? Oh, what a great question. 
Um, so, sorry, I've just clicked my window the wrong way. So, um, when I first started doing it, I was delivering it to small business owners. I was going to networking groups. That's where I kind of found, and that's where I found the brand storyteller. And that's why I've built a really lovely network of people now. Through working with her, I realized that actually going back into corporates is really the place where this needs to be. And that's where my focus started to go. I created the workshop concept. Then I started delivering it to CEOs and then they'd ask me to do it with their people and then you'd workshop everybody else, et cetera. And I, was, and I was doing that. And the thing is, is that there was always, as I started going through that journey, there was always a discomfort down here, which is through, through finding Diary Detox, I'd spoken to lots of people in small businesses or even not in business. You, know, you don't have to be in business for this to work for you. Um, and I knew that they needed it. And I knew that they wanted it. Now, they couldn't necessarily afford me to come and do it with them because it's quite, you know, it's relatively expensive for an individual or a small business owner to have me come in and do this kind of thing because it, it gives a lot of value. Um, and I felt a bit uncomfortable leaving those people behind. And so interestingly, in the first session I had with that brand storyteller, Rachel, um, she runs a company called Brand New Story. Um, she said to me, she listened to my story and she said, you realize there's a book in this, don't you? And I went, is there? I'm a maths grad. I mean, yeah. writing, not my thing. And I'd always wanted to write a book, but I had no idea I'd ever do it. And so I thought, well, how about if I get this down on paper as a book? And A, it's a really great marketing tool. You know, I mean, I sent a copy of it to the chief executive of Investors in People. Um, I sent another copy to a chief people officer of a business um, only a few months ago. They've now used it and they've now bought me in and they've asked me to propose to deliver it to the board. Yes. So it was kind of a bit of a marketing tool, but I didn't want to leave people behind. And so now, you know, sometimes people will arrange meetings with me and they'll say, I want to find out more about it. And I'll realize very quickly that they're not somebody that I personally would work with. And then they'd say, well, how can I get it? And I'd say, go buy the book, buy a yeah. copy of the book. You know, it's 12, it's 12 99. Um, and I did it by Kindle, audiobook, and paperback, so you can get it however you want. Um, yeah, so that's why I wrote it. Amazing. So you said um, audiobook then as well. Have you? Uh, did you record your own book? See, this is indeed. this is well exciting. This is well exciting. I did. So, do you have um, what? What's the dream with Diary Detox? What is the dream with it all? Look, I mean, there, there's a really kind of um, cheesy dream. Um, which it isn't meant to be cheesy, but it, I know it comes out this way. The ultimate dream for me is to create a world of better led people. You know, I, I spent 20 years in the city surrounded by people who were crying out to be led, crying out for it. And what they actually got was they got a bunch of experts because remember I was in technology and technology I'm about to write a blog actually that technology is the breeding ground for the accidental manager yeah. um what they actually got was they got some people who were really good technologists who because they couldn't be paid anymore were promoted so that they could be paid more but those technologists they had no interest in people and you know a fundamental qualification in my eyes I'm gonna get really passionate now a fundamental qualification in my eyes for being a manager, let's, let's leave the leadership to one side, just being a manager is having an interest in people. And unfortunately, a lot of technologists, they're not interested, they, they, they don't not care about people, they're just not interested in what being a manager is all about. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. I, I want to, but, but, but there's, there's kind of two parts of it. It, it, it's I want to create a world of better led people, which is about opening people's eyes as to what management and leadership really are yeah. and about questioning whether you're doing it and about questioning whether you want to do it. And if you do want to do it, I think this is a brilliant add on before you do any management training. Don't do any management training because it's like it's kind of like me saying to you, Lee, I think you could be a really good seamstress. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you all of the skills to sew. And then you'll be, a, you'll go be a great seamstress, right? But what I haven't asked you is, do you want to be a seamstress? Yeah. And a lot of technologists don't know what being a manager is. They think it's just the next step. And so this for me, I, I'm now saying to learning, de learning departments, do this before you do management training with, with, gra with graduates or technologists who you're going to promote. 
and let them understand what it really means to be a manager before. Because as soon as they realize that actually, oh, I'm quite red now. Oh, I'm doing red stuff. And oh, so I've got to do this amount of amber stuff now and this amount of green. Oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Or they might say, yeah, that's what I want to do. How can I do that? Well, now you go on the leadership course because now we're going to show you what that is. This is something that we just don't do in business. And that's what this is all about. So, so, so for me, creating a world of better led people is about, take, is about opening people's eyes to what management leadership is, giving people a sense of how they can change that and hold themselves accountable to it. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to say, which I can't remember. But yeah, so it, 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 it's about getting them into that space and hopefully keeping people away from management that just aren't suited to management. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, the last thing I was going to say, it's not just about leading other people. So this is very much also about leading yourself. Yeah. And one of the green behaviors is, which I'm sure we'll talk about is improving and improving is worded. First of all, as are you improving yourself, other people or the business you work in? And it's always yourself first, improve yourself first. That's the, that's, that's the oxygen mask in the plane thing. So, yeah. That's that's my dream. Create a world of better led people. I love that. I love that. And I am resonating with so much that you're saying. So I've got a group coaching program called Creating Confident Change Leaders. And the first module of that that I take people through is that recognizing that change starts with you because everybody <laughs> tries to influence other people before recognizing the role that they play and in, in that and then the thoughts driving their behavior and all of that stuff. So no, I'm resonating with everything that you're saying. And, and as soon as I hit stop, on this um i, I want to continue the conversation um about about what we're about how we are both could tackle some of the some of the challenges um mm. out there but whilst i've got you and i am recording this as well what's your what's the difference between management and leadership for you because you've categorized these two things and put a color against them um so how do you know you're right and what is the difference between the two how do I know I'm right? I don't. I don't. Um, I'd never be arrogant enough to believe that what I say is right. It's just a perspective. Yeah. Um, the reason I came up with it was because over my 20 years in, in the city, and then obviously the five or so years since I've been out of the city, uh, I, I constantly heard those words being used. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but and, and just so we're clear, the the fact that the green that, that the amber stuff was managing that didn't actually come until later. I, I knew the green stuff was leading because I'd said to people, "What's what's the stuff that leaders do?" And they said it, and I went, "Yeah, that's absolutely right. That, that that's leading." And I didn't know what this was. It was only later that the management was like, "Ah, oh, it's just managing, isn't it?" Um, and it's different from being a manager. Okay, Let, let's make the differentiation in terms here. Language is massively important here. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I don't know that that's the way it is, um, but I don't know if you've noticed this. When people talk about training around leadership or training around management, it will usually get worded as uh, leadership and management training. It, they are literally <laughs> put together. Yes. Leadership and management training. It's like, well, for me, they're very different things. Yeah. And the mere fact that people call them the same thing really frustrated me because, of course, you had people who got a, a job as a manager. You know, I'm now a team manager. And interestingly, people then started calling it a team leader. And it's like, OK. And then people started using the phrase, oh, yeah, but he's a bad leader. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. OK, so if you're going to use the word bad anywhere, anywhere near the word leader, then you shouldn't be using the word leader. It's an oxymoron. You could be a bad manager. I get that because a manager is a role that you are given. Leader is a title you deserve. <laughs> that, that's how I think about it. So, so I don't know that I'm right, but I wanted to create some semblance of differentiation between leader and manager. And I, I'm quite a logical person and I'm sometimes criticized for being fiercely logical. I know the world isn't black and white. But what I have done throughout my career is I've always come from the place of assuming that it is to start with. I'm happy to make it grey, but I think a lot of people make the world very grey because they're afraid of the black and whitedness of it. Yes. So I thought, well, OK, if I were going to differentiate these, what would I say they are? 
and I just use a language. So I'd say, what I normally do is I normally do a, a little thing. If, if I'm doing a, a discovery, I can use a scenario to describe it. And I'll say, well, imagine you're in a pub. Okay. So if you're in a pub and you've got people behind the bar and you've got some people collecting glasses and clearing tables and taking food orders and doing that stuff, that's red. That's doing. So perhaps I'll answer your question about colors at the same time. That's red. That's doing. That's transactional stuff. That's carrying out tasks or creating something. Okay. And that includes doing your expenses, all that kind of stuff. So that's your red stuff. That's non-management red. So if you think about that pub, you've then got a supervisor. Okay. Now the supervisor's job above the, the doer is really only to do two things. Okay. They're there to make sure that everything's working the way it should do. Yeah. So that's monitoring. That's one of the amber behaviors. So they're checking to see that everything's as it should be. And if it's not as it should be, they sometimes, I'm not saying this is right, but they sometimes give instruction. They order people, right, you're not doing that, go and do it. That's what a supervisor tends to do. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the difference between being a doer and being a supervisor, that's it. Supervisors check out stuff and they give, give instruction. Now, if you are to do that, uh, how do I do this? Yeah, so let, let, let's, let's leave it there. Let's say that's it. That's the amber stuff. Then you've got the owner of the bar, okay? Now, the owner of the bar has made a financial investment and their idea is that they want to make money out of that investment or they want to improve the world in some way or they want to just create a lovely space for people to come to, whatever their motivation is. But ultimately, they, they are there to do, well, they're there to make that business better. The manager's just there to make sure it stays where it is. This is how we plan to do things. Are we executing the plan the way we should? That's why we call a project manager a project manager, not a project leader, because they're there to just say, we've got a plan. Let's just make sure the plan's going. I'm monitoring it and I'm directing it. Okay, that's what project managers do. The, the, the person who is the owner of the bar, they want to make it better. They're not satisfied with it just being the way it is. So they're going to do three things. They're going to think about how to make things better. Once they've done that, they're going to talk to people about what they're thinking about making better and taking on their thoughts and their opinions and incorporating them, doing some more thinking and then communicating those. But at that point, you've only really done two things. You've thought about stuff to make better and you've spoken to people about stuff to make better. The last thing you've got to do is actually make it better. So the last of the green behaviors is improving. And that's actually doing it, that, that, that improvement activity. So that's what a leader does. So the way I, the way I classify leader and manager is that leaders are people that make things better. Yeah. People, things, projects, companies, societies, whatever it is. If you are doing something that is ultimately going to improve something, then you are a leader. You're not a leader by the classical sense of everybody else might say it, but that's the fundamental of what a leader does. Because if you turn around to somebody and say, I mean, I mean, for you, who, who, if I said to you, who is the, the, the most, um, who is the epitome of leadership for you as an individual? Who would you think of? Who's the first person that comes to oh, mind? So the first person that came to my mind then was Jurgen Klopp. Okay. So why Jurgen Klopp? Why, why is he a leader for you? Because of how he has, um, changed the ethos and culture at Liverpool and 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 the delivering on that vision successfully. So that just the way and the way that that he's got the team to respect him and play for him and and yeah that's that's why you you nearly had me gushing then. I was, uh, is Liverpool is Liverpool a better or worse place for him being there? Oh far better. Leaders make things better. Do you think that if Jurgen Klopp actually made things worse, that he would he would epitomise leadership for you? Uh, no. <laughs> so that's what leaders do. Winston yeah. Churchill's a leader for some people. I mean, controversial. Adolf Hitler was a leader for some people back yeah. in Nazi Germany when things were really tough. Yeah. That's why people followed him, because they thought he was going to make things better for them. So the essence of leadership for me, or being a leader, is somebody who makes things better managers for me are people who just keep things where they are yeah that's what managing is all about okay and then obviously you've got the red stuff which is the doer so that's how i differentiate them now when i talk about being a manager rather than managing so managing is about keeping things the same leading is about making things better 
when you talk, talk, talk to a manager, well, you're hoping that a manager would do a bit of the red, maybe, yeah. also a bit of the amber, and also a bit of the green. So there's a mix of them. It depends whether you are a very senior manager to a very junior manager or not even a manager at all. So yeah. that's how I differentiate. It's basically, do you, are you there to keep things the same or are you there, there to make things better? That's the difference between a manager and a leader. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really like that. And it, it, it's clean in, in, in the structure and, and how you articulate it there, Paul, as well. And one of the, one of the challenges that, so when we work with businesses, they'll say to us, we want everybody to be problem solvers. We want everybody to, to make it better every single day. So I guess what I'm taking from, from what you're saying is, yeah, hierarchically, that's how it could work. But there's nothing to say that a, a, somebody who works on a task can't have blue activities. And I, I think, is that green? Oh, blue. Yeah. So I keep, yes, green activities. Yeah. There's no, you don't have a blue, do you? I do. It's spoiler alert. We'll talk, that, talk about that in a second. Ah, yeah. So green. And, and look, you, you've got a green t shirt. I've got a green background. I've got a green jumper on. Um, my branding <laughs> color is green. So I don't know why I said blue. That's my business partner. That's Jason's. Bizarre. Um, so, yeah. So, it's it's all right for people to work on a process, but also complete green activities. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. And do you know what? I think that's a big. So you, I think you've come up with a really interesting example there about where confusion comes. So we do want people to be thinking about improvement every day. And interestingly, when you said about Jurgen Klopp, you said, "Well, he's changed things." So that and there's another C word for me. I tend to go away from that and say, we don't say change, we say improve, because you can change things for the worst. Yeah. And I think change gets a really bad rev because people could think change good or change bad, who knows? So where I tend to go with, um, I forgot where I was going there. I got, I got all carried away with the whole change thing. Yeah, we were talking about um, people doing red work, but also picking up green yes. stuff. Yeah, so we, we do want people to spend their time doing um, to, to making things better but what people tend to do I mean we, we, we've got to be aware of the language we use the things we say and our interpretation of what we say versus somebody else's interpretation so it's possible that somebody and this does happen because this discovery that I do it, it shows companies that people have completely opposite views about how much of each of the colors they should be doing what's interesting is when you say that people think oh then I should be basically spending my time improving things all the time no no so if you are a deliverer, then you probably need to be spending about 70% of your time delivering stuff because that's what makes money. That, that, that's your delivery. That's your productivity. Generally, at that level, the non-manager level, you then expect people to spend about 20% of their time on Amber stuff. Okay. Now, interesting. You think, well, why would they be managing anything? Well, if you think about it, you are delivering something. You've got to check with your clients that you are delivering what you should. You, you could be checking with your manager that you are doing a good job. Yeah. You could be checking in with yourself how you feel about something. You could be reviewing a document that somebody's created with you. That's all amber behavior. It's not managing people, but it is the act of managing with regards to whatever it is you are managing, be it yourself, your company, or other people. So about 70% red, you should be doing. About 20% should be amber, managing. And about 10% at least, 10%, which is actually quite a lot if you think about it in a week. That is half a day a week should be spent on green stuff yeah and that if you are a non-manager that would usually translate into self-development learning something new reading an audiobook listening to an audiobook sorry um going on a course uh networking with new people that's a green behavior communicating that's part of communicating but it could be that as you're getting to the end of your tenure as a doer and you're making the transition to go into manager some of that green could be improving somebody else to take over your work. Succession planning, that's a green behavior. And it's a green behavior that very few managers do. Very few. And what you find is that when somebody then comes to you and says, we're now ready to promote you, all of a sudden they go, uh, but I can't step away because I've got all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you should, have been, you, sh you should always be thinking when you can hand that off. So just to give you an example, when I went from running that team of 15 in the investment bank, and I went from running a team of 15 to a division of 350 overnight. Okay, overnight. Do you want this job? Yeah, it wasn't quite that. I mean, from them saying, yes, the job's yours to doing it, it was an overnight change. Yeah. It took about two weeks to be interviewed and accepted for the role. That's a big jump, 15 to 350, right? 
it only took me well actually it didn't even take me a day it was less than a day to hand over my job the 15 person thing to my successor because I had always been preparing them for the day that I walked away and a lot of people hold on to their stuff worried they'll get made redundant nah I don't want any barriers when the big job comes and that's what I did so yeah. when I got it I said John his name's John Unjamuth John if you're watching hello I said to him John I've got a promotion it's now yours you need me come and ask me but you know what you're doing you've been doing it for ages and I stepped away yeah. That was me doing that was me proactively doing green behavior to prepare for my own replacement so that I could step up. Yeah, amazing. No, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing um, so much. So if if people wanted to know more about you, Paul, and more about diary detox, where would they go? How would they find out more stuff? Where wouldn't they go? <laughs> I've <laughed laughs> yeah. myself everywhere. Uh, so there's a number of places. Um, you could find me on LinkedIn. So I'm there as Paul Holbrook in brackets, F-L-P-I. That's Fellow of the Learning and Performance Institute. Uh, I'm on there and I post regularly on there. And there's also a Diary Detox company page on there as well, where I post to as well. Um, I do quite a lot on video. Um, and what you'll usually find is that if you see me on a video, as you are now, and you see me wearing this color, uh, you'll, you'll find that video is, is about me doing that color. So it's, a, it's kind of giving you kind of introduction. And so right now, this is communicating. I am I am meeting new people, no, but I'm sharing new yes. ideas. I'm sharing new ideas with you. And that is a green behavior. So if we were to be on a business call right now, business development call, I'd be wearing a red T-shirt right now. It's very sad, but very on brand. I love um, that. So if you see those, well, if you've got time, I'll tell you a story about that. But uh, so, yeah, so you can go onto LinkedIn, you'll see those. Um, I've also got a YouTube channel where I put all those videos go into the YouTube channel as well. You can watch all those. There's probably about 70 of them. <laughs> I yeah. didn't realize there's so many. Um, you could go on to the website, diarydetox.com, not dairy detox, <laughs> diarydetox.com. Um, and there it'll ask you who you are. Are you a CEO? Are you a HR person? Are you a head of learning or are you a coach or are you an individual? And it will take you to a different page depending on who you are, because it might be that the book is more for you than the course might be. You can go there. Um, and then the last thing is you could go, <laughs> you could go <laughs> on to the C word, but I'm not going to say that. Um, you, you could go on to Clubhouse where um, you and I are having some really interesting chats. And I'm really excited about it because one of the things I really want to start doing on, on Clubhouse is having more interactive conversations with people who are having challenges in this space. So very soon I'm going to be doing a room called something like diary detox bring your problems with time yeah and then people could just come on and say this is the challenge well I'll teach them something new they could use and also give people the opportunity to ask questions and I'll help them give them advice yeah amazing amazing so I, I love that a lot so a couple of things then um on clubhouse you've got a blue background and when I wrongly chose the word blue before instead of green you said oh that's coming what is that blue? You've got an amazing memory when it comes to interviewing people. This is really good. Um, so blue, so I said that at work, everything that you do could be put into one of seven categories and each of those are in one of four colors. There is one other category, which is in one other color. And that is the only one that is not related to work. Okay. So if you think about the three categories who are green, they are leading. You've got the two categories, two categories that are amber they are managing one category is red that is doing one category that is brown and that is floating and yeah. so we're clear floating is adding no value or not being sure what value you're adding wasting time essentially but we don't use those words and then the last one is one category which is uh blue which is called living yeah okay and this is about either working flexibly so taking time out during the working day to say i'm not in the right headspace or I'm going to plan to use time in my working day for me and I will move what I was going to do to a time when I perhaps wouldn't normally be working. And it sounds like a really bizarre thing, but this is something that came up accidentally for me during lockdown. No, sorry, it was before lockdown, sorry. Um, and I wanted to do something personally. I wanted to take the afternoon out with my wife for our wedding anniversary about a year and a half ago. Such the romantic, aren't you? 
I know, yeah, it, it, it comes naturally. Um, so what was uh, interesting is that normally I feel quite, as, as a small business owner, you're quite, you feel quite guilty about taking time off during the working day. So on this particular day, I accidentally, well, I didn't accidentally, I put it into my diary. Um, and normally I, well, not normally, I always religiously color code my diary. I, I eat my own dog food. I do it. I will show you my diary right now. That is my diary right now. It's very colorful. Yeah. Okay. So I, I use it. And what I did is I just put in this afternoon, a blue thing that said anniversary with M, Emma, my wife. And what was really interesting is anything that I would have normally been doing work-wise, I moved to somewhere else. And I went away for that afternoon and I didn't think about work once. And I thought, after I'd come back, I kind of reflected on that and thought, so normally I'd feel a bit guilty about taking time out, but I didn't. Why is that? And I realized it's because that, 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 that mere act of putting in an activity and blocking it out was giving myself permission to take time off and was taking whatever was there and putting it somewhere else. So I didn't have to worry. It will still get done. It just won't get done when I normally do it. Now, the default color for any meeting in my iPhone, I don't know if it's the same for everybody's, is blue. And I never use blue. And I thought, hang on a minute. And normally I was thinking, if I was going to color code that, I'd color code it brown because it's not adding value to my business. But I don't want to remove it because the yeah. idea was remove brown stuff. And I thought, I'm missing something. And so that was the birth of living. Um, and that's what I now do. So I recommend to people who have like, you know, four day weeks, or if they want to, you know, go take, you know, they, they find it difficult to put work down at the end of the day, I will get them to plan in at the end of my day. I actually have it at the end of my every, every day. Um, I have a little thing, which you probably can't see called Loki. Yeah. Loki is my black Labrador dog. So that is my hour to go and walk the dog which is the end of my working day. Yeah. So yeah, blue is living, taking time out, looking after your mental, spiritual, or physical well-being. Yeah, amazing. No, I love that. I think because I think that's so important. So yeah, no, it's really good, really good. So what what I've got into the habit of recently, very recently, I've only done it once so far, so it's not a habit yet. Is uh, is it fact between the hours of five and eight, I'm just going to turn my phone off because I was guilty of picking picking stuff up and I'd be working during the day. I'd be talking to you after eight o'clock at night. And then the, the bit in between five and eight where I was meant to be eating, playing with the kids, helping around the house and, and that stuff, I was also picking up my phone. Um, so my time between five and eight now, I have just completely blocked out, turned my phone off nice. and I'm present. So that's blue time for me now in, in, in your category. So no, I can definitely see how that works. I think it's so important. That's very good. What are you having for your tea, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> what am I having for my tea? Uh, I am having steak. Oh, yeah. It's a strong choice for a... What day is it? Tuesday. It's a strong choice for Tuesday. How do, so how my, do you have my, your steak cooked? So medium rare. All the time medium rare. Anything else is just sacrilege. Um, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of a Bernays sauce. So I taught myself to cook a Bernays sauce. And my, my, my wife is a brilliant cook. Her, her, mom and, her mother and father were professionally, they were chefs and cooks. Yeah. And um, she's brilliant. I mean, she, she could look at a fridge with like an onion, a potato, a something else. And she, it'll let me like, da-da. And you go, how on earth did you do that? I can't do that. I don't think on that level. But so just I just on that point, sauce. actually, just before you talk about Bernays sauce, is it because you raised your voice a little bit? Then is she quite close so she could hear that uh, uh, <laughs> that feedback, the, the positive feedback? <laughs> yeah. Well, not not, not yeah. down there. She's down. She's yeah. <laughs> she's downstairs. Her office is her office is directly below mine. So yeah. No, I was not doing that for any reason. Um, but no, she's really good. I mean, she cooks some amazing food. It's amazing stuff. But I I, I add value as well. Yeah. He says. Um, but yeah, so I thought I, I don't like this whole shop bought Bernays sauce thing, Ugh. and so I thought I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do my bit and I'm gonna learn to make a Bernays sauce. And she, I don't think she's ever made one actually. So yeah, that's what we're gonna have: steak, Bernays, asparagus. Uh, exciting! No, uh, that's, that's, I'm hungry just just listening to that. So one thing that you spoke about before <laughs> is your book, and your book is called "What Are You Doing? What Are You, what are you doing? doing? What Are You Doing?" Here we go. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So where's that available? In, fact, in, in the audio book, you'll hear me say, it, it, I'll say, what are you doing? 
That's exactly how I say it. Um, where's it available? On Amazon? Yeah. Um, I've, I've sold, sold myself to devil with Amazon. So it's there as a paperback. That's that. And it's printed on demand. So you get it within about two or three days. Yeah. Um, or it's a Kindle. You can get it on Kindle. It's on Kindle Unlimited as well. So if you subscribe to that, you've already got it. And also it's an audio book as well on, on Audible. So it's all via. But if you go, to, you go to Amazon, you can choose which format you have it in. Amazing. No, I love that. No, thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you for, uh, for giving up your time, um, this, your green time this afternoon um, to, to chat with me about diary detox, about you and about how people can get value for what it is that you're offering and, and stuff. And I think it just comes back to what you said right at the very start. It's about raising awareness so people don't know what they don't know and what you offer them is a way for them to know how they can move forward. So I really like that. Really like that. Stop looking out the window. Start looking in the mirror. What a perfect way to finish. Boom. Yeah, let's drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so have, have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you very much Thanks. again, Paul. And I, I look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.